Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And wow, this week we have quite a... I, I don't know if we actually announced this like up top, but like all of the films that we've done, like save for like one or two, have been have been requests so far. Like so when we start March, like we're done with requests for a while. And Yeah, we've we, kicked off twenty twenty one with a slew of requests. Yeah. Um, to you know, to get the to get the year started uh with gratitude towards all of you patrons and friends, and also just like with a, a bevy of different ridiculous movies. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been truly a mixed bag. Like I did not expect any of these that we have done, and somehow not the TV movie, not the wacky eighties comedy, but this one, the twenty ten lifetime mini series marry me that is what broke me i am so mad at what point okay so yeah this is the 2010 marry me with with lucy Liu. it's a mini series with two episodes each episode is about an hour and a half so it's a three it's a three hour experience uh at what at what point in this three hour experience do you feel that your brain fully broke jordan the moment like the exact moment that Bobby Cannaval or Cannavale, I'm not sure, said frogs. The moment that frogs came into the mix, I was like, absolutely not. Okay, so it's Cannavale. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I figured. Um, the moment that he mentioned frogs and the fact that we keep on mentioning frogs, like we need to backtrack, like just watching this movie was pure hell. Like I was in hell the entire time. I, I just like this, this is. Yeah. I I was also in hell. I do want to clarify my laughter was not because I wasn't in hell. I was definitely in hell. I had to watch this in two separate sittings. So, you know, convenient that there were episodes I had to be, medium drunk, medium high. And I mean, many times I'll watch the movies for the podcast sober, you know, but I needed, I needed the wine for this. Like I was not going to make it through without some wine. Um, it's, it's that bad. It's really bad. And you know, it's rude that it's bad with this kind of cast, right? Because we've got Lucy Liu, Stephen Pasquale, Bobby Cannavale, like, uh, Vanessa Morano, who, you know what, I think is a very good young actress. People tend to hate her because she plays April on Gilmore Girls. And people tend to blame her for like, I don't know, people tend to like, I feel like have blamed the actress for the fact that it's like, oh, no, Luke and Laurel, I broke up for a little bit. And it's all this young actresses people, yeah people will blame actors for playing characters that they don't like or like a character that did something that they perceive as bad or the character that's annoying and it's like actually you don't know what the actor is like in real life if they piss you off so much they're probably good at their job because they yeah. sold this character she, yeah this is just a, this is just an actress that i've always been like 
I've been like, oh, she's like in everything. She was in like Switched at Birth. You know, that's a classic ABC family slash freeform thing. I and totally she- watched that during a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she is by far, I- I'm spending so much time on her because she is by far giving the best performance in that mo- this movie has the correct energy for this movie whenever anybody is acting alongside Vanessa Morano they have to up their game because she like you can tell that this is a person who was going to be on Gil- who was on Gilmore Girls because like the pace in which she is talking everyone has to speed up <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure she is um She's the best in this movie. Like, she's also the character that I'm the most interested in. Like, I'm the most interested in her life, how her life's going to turn out. I mean, she's very charming. Her personality is compelling. And like you said, her performance forces all the other actors to to really put in more energy. And it's hard to tell. I mean, this is one of those things where the script is bad enough that I do feel like because it's such a good cast, a lot of the cast are just like, all right, (laughs) I'm going to come on here. I'm going to like kind of memorize my lines and get my check and leave. Like that's the energy and you can feel it. And it's already, even if everyone was giving this movie or this series, whichever you want to phrase it as, even if they were all giving it 100%, the script is so bad. It's just so full of tropes in the most boring, infuriating way. It would still be painful, but it would at least be something that you could watch in one sitting without like wanting to like smother yourself with a pillow. Yeah. (laughs) A truly, a truly terrible script. And we've also got, um, Danielle Nicolette, uh, who plays Lucy Liu's best friend. And she's like, mostly like a television actress. You know, she's been on, um, third rock from the sun and she's on the flash right now. And, she, I would say, like, out of everyone in the screenplay, she gets it worse because they don't give her anything to work with. Like, the fact that she... I felt so bad for her the entire time. This this best friend character. Oh, yeah. I felt bad for her, too. And, and I also did feel like, you know, behind Vanessa Murano, she was giving a lot of energy also. Um, with even less to work with, um, yeah. I, I, you know, like she was, she was definitely trying to embody the, you know, the fun best friend in the rom-com. Cause that was her character. She's supposed to be the fun best friend. And really the only reason that she gets to be on screen is to help Lucy Liu navigate her love life. Right. Like we don't really get a whole story for her. Not even that we need a whole story, but we don't really know anything about her outside of the fact that she has these opinions about dating and she thinks that Lucy Liu needs to loosen up. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Uh, we, we also have Annie Potts in here, you know, that's a comedy legend. We have Burgess Jenkins, most known for being in remember the Titans. We've got Elizabeth. Omilami, who gets maybe the worst role in this movie, which is to be the black woman who she plays Kim, the black woman who yeah. all of the worst lines. 100%. I feel so bad for her. It's so cringe. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's real, real bad, real, real bad. And, um, uh, also there is Enrique Murciano, 
um, who's on Without a Trace. So a lot of like TV actors here. You know, Stephen Pasquale was on Rescue Me. And I mean, I'm mostly just known from Rescue Me. Uh, so yeah, so we have this cast of characters, all really reliable actors. And this is headed by Lucy Liu. And Lucy Liu is an actress who... I'm honestly surprised that she's popping up on the podcast because she very rarely does movies like this. Oh, yeah. Like, this is definitely not in her wheelhouse of genre. Um, She's, yeah, she's she's just not in romantic comedies normally. Yeah. And, And you can kind of tell, and that's not me even coming for her. It's just, like, she doesn't make sense for this role. No, no, absolutely not. The only other rom-com that I see just from like a cursory search, like, please don't be like, well, she was actually in this, like, dude, I don't know. Um, she was in, God, uh, set it up, set it up. And she oh, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's a movie that people have asked us to do on the podcast that like, first I would have to actually watch it without falling asleep. So until that happens, we will not be doing set I love it. that that's, like, the only thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Set It Up. Um, it was fine. Like, it's kind of in that middle ground where it was cute enough that I could see it being too good in certain ways for the podcast. But, of course, there are things to deconstruct. I mean, my thing with Set It Up isn't just that, like, the plot is cheesy, because I can usually deal with that, but the way that it's shot, like, literally the way that it's shot makes me tired. Like, I'm just like, it's time to go to sleep. Like, it's it's really majorly a cinematography issue. Like, if it was shot better, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, like, weirdly, like... It is like, weirdly shot. It feels like you're always looking through a window at someone, but not in a cool artistic way, just in a, like, disorienting, like... I can see them from this angle and I guess I can hear them, but also why am I not closer or yeah, I I know what you're saying. There is something unnerving about the way it's shot. It kind of looks like, you know, when like people just started shooting on digital and hadn't figured out how to do like the lighting or the color grading yet. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The coloring in that is like the lighting is like really off. It feels underlit most of the time and then randomly washed out. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly it anyway, I guess. So I don't know. (laughs) We talked about my major issues with that movie. So I don't know if we're ever going to do it. Um, but okay. So marry me lifetime. Um, so a thing about Lucy Liu is that she's mostly known for like genre films. Her her filmography is honestly all over the place. Like she's one of the best actresses that we have, but she has been so frequently miscast or just ignored altogether. Like if you look at her um like filmography, like there's a lot of forgettable shit on it. And it's like, I think that it's really uh, a testament to her talent that we love Lucy Liu, despite the fact that when you really think about it, she's only done like maybe like eight good movies tops. Yeah. That's a really great point. Cause she has been working a lot for years and years. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of movies in there. I'm looking at her filmography right now. There's plenty that aren't necessarily good or memorable, um, but that doesn't undermine her talent. 
but also yeah. it just it also just speaks to like her endless work ethic <laughs> you know? yeah like i mean yeah like, yeah like there's a few years where she did like three movies in a year you know i just wow she, um yeah yeah no she's one of these uh, oh i see that she started like directing television now good for her. i've noticed that a lot of these actresses who aren't cast well a lot of the time end up like directing because it's like they're trying to kind of fix the problems that they faced yeah exactly and they're trying to like you know get a little bit control like i've read about like actresses being like you know feel like powerful behind the camera you know i feel like i'm like you know she yeah lucy lou i really want her to direct i really want her to direct herself more often like i think that she did on like elementary or something i just want more i just want more for her i feel Me too. This like, and I was just watching this, and it's just like so much talent. And you're putting it here because, okay. The other thing about Lucy Liu is that she is so naturally confident that I cannot believe her as this kind of like, oh, I'm looking for the fairy tale rom com protagonist. No, she, believe- it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like, it's not that she couldn't play a woman with insecurities, but those aren't the kinds of insecurities that. I feel like she would give off and it, it feels very forced. It's like somebody wearing an outfit that they don't really like or feel comfortable in. That's how it feels watching her play the woman who's like, Oh, you know, I can't land a man or like, you know, I found out that the man that I had wasn't as into me and now I'm sad. And it's not that, I mean, a lot of different people have that experience, but the trope character she's supposed to play doesn't feel like Lucy Liu. Like it doesn't feel like a Lucy Liu character. It doesn't, I I think this would be so much better if they wrote a rom-com, but they actually thought about the fact that Lucy Liu was starring in it and they wrote the character for her, you know, (laughs) like. Yeah. Yeah. You can, if this was written for her, I, I would like to have words with who did it because there are so many thoughts. Okay, so this was directed by James Heyman, who is a TV director and also like Annie Potts' husband. So that explains why she's here. And it was written by Barbara Hall, who created the show Judging Amy and she created Joan of Arcadia. <laughs> oh wow okay wow cool. like just just feeling it just thrust into the past there when was the last time you thought about judging amy like what? yeah i mean not not for a very long time like that is just a time portal those words sometimes <laughs> you just hear of a show and it immediately transports you back and like Joan of Arcadia is a show that's most known for being canceled soon, sooner than it needed to be more than like the actual show. Like, I don't know anything about Joan of Arcadia, except that people are just like, it only had two seasons. It should have had more seasons. Yeah, same. Um, like, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I know that it existed and there's a shroud around that. But um, that's about the extent and she's this this lady is still working. She created Madam Secretary, that Taya Leone show that apparently has six seasons. Oh wow, okay. 
fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not know about this and man we got bb newworth in here we got keith carradine up in here we got uh jeffrey aaron who is most known for being christina hendrix's ex-husband i just he just flew too close to the sun that man <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wow <laughs> look up a picture of him he flew too close to the sun like, yeah he, 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 <laughs> yeah, I and agree. Like, and also, don't I'm not shaming him. He's like perfectly cute. But when you look at her and you look at him, you're just like, where did he come from? Yeah, like, what he, what happened? What is he very well read? Does he have a big dick? No, it's the big. It's gotta be. It's it's gotta be. Absolutely. It's, I mean, there has to be a sexual chemistry component there. Like that's gotta be a big part of it. Uh, yeah, so um, Barbara Hall, also, also, before we move away from that, I love that when they decided to get divorced, they they did a joint statement on Instagram saying that they were going to, like, share custody of, like, their pets. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love, I love, like, the uncoupling statements. I mean, I do understand, like, from a, just a perspective of someone in the public eye, it does make sense to want to take control of your own narrative, you know? So I get that, but it's always funny when it's like, I don't know, like talking about the cats. We're like, <laughs> like we're going to, we're going to co-parent our like, dog. I don't, I don't actually feel like I need to know that. Like, I don't think you owe this information to anyone, which makes me think you just want to share it, <laughs> which is fine. I, I hear so much lately about like people co, I mean, I'm sure they've already always done it, but like people co-parenting their pets and that's just, like I get it and I respect it because it's like okay you're trying to both stay in the life of the pet instead of just one person getting the pet but for some reason it's so funny to me <laughs> it is yeah no I like a, a room a former roommate and good friend like had that with her ex like they would like switch off on the dog <laughs> like and and I understood why because the dog had been in both of their lives a long time but I was like this seems it's emotionally complicated <laughs> and it is it's funny to like make an announcement about it yeah yeah no that's like funny okay so yeah this was like written by a, like a really well-known like constantly working television creator and you can kind of feel that just like based on the television dialogue. But it, I think part of it is just that it's all centered around Lucy Liu. And she, she, it's weird. She's done a lot of television, but this feels different than the stuff that she's done. Like, it's just a little, it's just a little too wholesome for her. It's very wholesome. Like it feels almost Christian. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those where like sex is such a presence in the movie, and yet it isn't like there's this whole thing about not having sex, um, you know, where she's like, Oh, I wouldn't rush, and and I don't know, it, it has a little bit of that hallmark feel in the sense of like so much of this is about coupling, and yet sex feels like taboo, and and then the structure of it, it's not a miniseries that has six half hour episodes. It's just two long episodes. I didn't really understand that choice. 
Um, so it's just like two movies, basically, like hour and a half each. I feel like that's a very strange structure to have hour and a half each for this kind of story. It would make more sense to break it into small chunks or just have it be like a Lord of the Rings length rom-com, which is hilarious to me. I love the <laughs> idea of just like Lord of the Rings rom-coms, just like full on three hour, like, right? But yeah, the the... The writing, I can tell there's some television influence here in the sense of some of the structure, but at the end of the day, the structure doesn't make sense to me. No, the structure doesn't make sense. Honestly, this could have just easily been one TV movie. There's no reason for it to be two episodes. There's so much padding to justify the fact that it's two episodes and like it it's so weird it, there, there's just so much up so i mean the first thing that is wrong with this is that lucy Liu is playing a social worker and there's nothing wrong with that on the outset but the problem is, is that she is a social worker that dresses like a sex in the city character but also is constantly talking about how she works for the government she has a beautiful apartment her clothes like the thing is is that like Either she's a social worker and we never see her office or she's a social worker and an actual social worker. We see her at work. Nobody acts like I'm not saying that you can't have fun at work. Like if you are a social worker, but everybody acts like they write for a magazine. No, I was very put off by that because like I've worked as a caseworker before and it was the office plan was not like that it was not like I had fun with my coworkers and everything but it was stressful everyone was underpaid we were we tried to unionize that failed the vibe in this office that she was in it it very much felt like they worked at 17 magazine but then randomly she's getting calls about kids who are in the foster care system and it did feel like a weird disconnect and then she has this really nice apartment and like, yeah, social workers get paid so little. Like that is right. like a very well-known fact. And I mean, this is an issue that comes up in so many of the movies we cover is like the discrepancy between the reality of what somebody would have financially and what they have in the movie based on their job, right? Right. And they're like, but this is so much worse. It's so much like, worse because <laughs> being a social worker is actually a really big driving plot in this. And so the fact that the office she goes to feels just like any kind of office and you don't really ever hear them talk about the kids in the office um, or the social no, work. That, that's all the thing. Everybody's fucking around. Everybody's fucking around. Everybody has having a good time. Everyone's crowding around everybody else. And like, they're looking at dating apps on the computer at one point. Like they're just like looking at their apps. It's just like, you wouldn't be doing that if you were a social worker, this wouldn't. And, and also just like, I appreciate that. I, I'm not saying that social workers can't be fashionable. They can, but why at work? Who are you dressing up Four. Well, yeah, it's the fact that it feels like the whole off. It's also the way of being fashionable. Like she is fashionable in a very Carrie Bradshaw way. And again, it's not that you can't have that style and be a, a social worker, but like it's not practical. Like like the she dresses like she is going to have to be in a photo with somebody important all the time. <laughs> and and I feel like even when you're dressing cute in social work, you are so burned out. You're not going to have the time to give yourself a blowout every day. <laughs> like, yeah. 
So yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It, it's so it I you know it's weird. The blue glasses that Lucy Lou wears is what really got me. I was just like, those are designer gl- girl. Like I just don't like you look like you're getting ready to like write your dating advice column. Like I don't understand what we're doing. Yeah, it's very, very disconcerting. Like, I kept forgetting she's a social worker, and then it's in her line so much as her bringing that up. And her talking about the fact that she went to school for art, but she became a social worker, and that's this ongoing thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's how we meet um, Vanessa Murano, is Vanessa Murano is, uh, like, 16? She's, she's supposed to be, like, 16 yeah. or 17. She's- Okay, yeah, so she's just like a, t- she's supposed to be like, yeah, 16 or 17, because like, when they do a time jump, which is like a year later, it, it's weird, it's hard to know the timeline of this movie, because I feel like there's like, I I think it takes place during a year, and then the time jump does another year. I think? Is yeah. that what's going on? Yeah, yeah, there so is a time jump. Yeah. So I think that like at the beginning, Vanessa Murano is like 16, 16 and a half. And then near the end, she's like a few months away from turning 18 and, and graduating school. Yeah. Yeah. So she, you know, she's she's having trouble at her foster homes and she's like a little troublemaker. And when we meet her, I'm just like, oh, she's just a little stinker. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like she's she's a rabble rouser, which is, I don't know why I said that. Rabble rouser? Like, am I a boomer? Um, anyways, she's, yeah, she's a stinker, but that's what makes her so lovable is like she, I mean, she's also been moved around a lot. So at this point, she's cynical about her foster families, which totally makes sense. Um, yeah, and at what point she talks about how, like, she, they're just like, oh, what are you in trouble for this time? And she was just like, oh, yeah, this dude, like, came on to me. And I was just like, and she she talks about it so matter-of-factly and, like, how she handled it. And it's like, this movie is so childish, but then you have this child who, like, has very clearly been through some shit. Like, when she mentions it, you'd be like, this is not the first time that she's had to fight off a guy. Yeah, well, she even says, when she mentions it, she says that she recognized it's another kid, and she recognized him from another home where he had already assaulted her, and he tried to attack her again. And it's wild that this movie includes that, and it never mentions it again. And the way that the movie frames her is, like, you know, Lucy Liu loves Vanessa Murano and she knows that at the end of the day, she's a good kid with a good heart who needs a chance. And so she's going to stand up for her against the state because the state is like, well, she keeps getting kicked out of home. She's going to, we're going to put her in detention until she's 18. And so like Lucy Liu's like, I'm going to stand up for her. But it's weird that we know that part of the reason Vanessa Murano has gotten kicked out is because she's standing up for herself against abuse and Lucy Liu never needs seems to actually acknowledge that. Like she never brings that up when she's defending Vanessa to the state. Uh, she never says, Hey, you know, that's not your fault. Like, I believe you. She's just like, you're a good kid and you'll, you're smart. And so I'm going to stand up for you. It's just such a weird disconnect. Cause that's such a massive thing to drop in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, this, Cause it's just like, and it's, 
it's weird because like a, a lot of you can tell by the time that she's announced that it's going to be a thing where Lucy Liu is going to end up having to take care of her because this is like her favorite kid and and you know Lucy Liu has like a lot of skin in the game and you know shows up to court to defend this kid more than once and you can tell this but and, and like essentially she wants the um um, Vanessa Morano wants Stephen Pasquale, who plays Luke, which we haven't even gotten to Luke, man. Um, and and uh, Lucy Liu's name is Ray, by the way. So, like, it's Vanessa Morano. Oh, Vanessa Morano's name is Imogen. These names. Anyway, so <laughs> Vanessa Morano wants Stephen Pasquale and Lucy Liu to be her parents. And it's so funny because she's more mature than both of them. And it's just like, I just, she's just like, I want to live with these rich children because they're just going to let me do what I want. I mean, that's really it. Like I, it's not, I don't (laughs) think that she even thinks that they can give her anything. She's just like, you have, you know, you're adults. So you have a place to live. You have the stability that I need in that way. And I already have myself. So you're not going to try to boss me around like another random family or put me in danger, but you're also not going to teach me anything. And I know that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we should get to the actual like romantic plot with Lucy Liu. Um, Okay. Yeah. So Lucy Liu wants to marry Bobby Cannavale and like she goes to dinner with him and she's it's, you know, it's one of those classic rom-com scenes where it's just like, I want him to take out the ring, but he takes out something else. And that something else is what Bronwyn. (laughs) Well, he's announcing He he is uh, basically giving g- giving notice that he is going to be traveling abroad with a frog grant to study and report um, different frogs. We don't really know what he's doing with the frogs, but he is excited to travel. <laughs> and so isn't it like um, I thought it was just like a card that he gave her that had like a frog on it or something. Yeah, it was just like a card or something. Like, it's so... Yeah, like, it's like he doesn't get on one knee or anything. They're just sitting at the table. But she's had this whole conversation at work with her friend about how she thinks, you know, they're going out to dinner and she thinks it might happen. And her friend is kind of like, are you sure? Like, he hasn't really said anything about getting married. And Lucy Lou's like, yeah, but I just, I have a feeling. So, you know, she's gassed herself up. She looks great. They're sitting at this fancy place. He's like, oh, I'm so excited to tell you something. And so she's like, oh, my gosh, this is it. And then he's like, I am going to be going away for six months to study frogs. (laughs) Like, I just... I, the frogs, I just, I don't know. It's so funny. Like the frogs are a theme in this movie. Like there's this thing where Lucy Liu, you know, when, when she has to mention him in, in future interactions, she mentions the frogs or her friend is like, oh, remember how he left you for frogs? (laughs) So basically they get in a fight and like, she's just like, He's like, why aren't you happy for me? I've been dreaming of these frogs my whole life. I love these frogs. Like, why aren't you? And honestly, I won't lie. In that moment, I do kind of feel him. I'm like, yeah, like if if you're a good like if you're a good match, you are going to be excited for your your partner to go study frogs. But it seems like she either didn't know that about him or she just doesn't care. And he's obviously not reading the room about how he, you know, took her out and she's deeply confused and embarrassed and sad. You don't- 
<laughs> you don't tell somebody this when you go out to dinner. Like that's this is something that you could talk about at home. Like, I mean, yeah, and, get- and you could text you could text them and say, "I'm really excited. I got the frog thing. Maybe we could go to dinner to celebrate." <laughs> like, yeah, but, yeah. You gotta you gotta lead with the frogs. You gotta <laughs> you gotta you gotta start with them. You gotta let her know where we're at with the frogs. Yeah, no, that shit is wild. And also, just like the thing about Bobby. Carnavale is that like he is in a lot of comedies but he is actually personally in my opinion not that funny and so he's I don't really I'm very attracted to him but I don't find him funny but I find him charismatic yes yeah I think that the only way that he's like selling the frog stuff is like yeah he's just selling it with his own charisma i don't believe that a man that looks like that gives a shit about frogs i'm so sorry and he doesn't convince me no i don't i don't he does not convince me that he's passionate about frogs which is funny because that's pretty much his only personality trait in this is being passionate about frogs and disappointing lucy Liu. Yeah. Oh my God. So they, yeah, yeah, they, you know, and this is all at the beginning, at the very beginning, they end up breaking up and she's like heartbroken. And her friend is, of course, like, this is your chance to be single. Like, we're, you know, we're in New York. Like, you know, you gotta uh, live it up. And, (laughs) oh, wait, no, they're not in New York. I think they're in Atlanta. Wait are they yeah because aj and i were watching it and we were trying to figure it out and at first we thought it was new york and then aj recognized several places and then aj was like cool why is everyone white except for her which not not everyone's white but like why is it like so white (laughs) well that would explain like you know okay so lucy lou's character was adopted by a white family which i guess is the movie's excuse for having all of her romantic options be white and the only people of color that she knows are at work. Right. And they only get a few lines. Like it's either Elizabeth Omolami being forced to say things that feel very like, just like, oh, she's the older black woman. So she's going to like call you out, you know, or yeah. Danielle Nicolette, who's like, I'm single and fun, but also desperate. But also, like, I'm going to tell you what you should do. And she's, like, fun, but, like, she doesn't get to do much out of that. But they only exist at work, really. I mean, Danielle Nicolette, like, leaves the workplace a few times. But they're really only there when Lucy Lou needs them. It's not like they get to really be characters. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to point out that um, Enrique Marciano, who plays Harry, who is uh, Stephen Pasquale's best friend, um, he is Cuban, but it's very clear in this movie that he is just supposed to be read as white. Um, (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Because, like, when I saw that his name was Enrique, I was like, holy shit. I was like, because the way that he's framed in this movie is the whitest man on earth. Oh, absolutely. Just like that rich, old money white. Yeah, I was like, wow. He's an old money guy named Harry. (laughs) Harry. Harry. Talk about whitewashing. Like, that is, like, (laughs) Harry. Harry. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, so uh, Lucy Lou goes to church with her. Yeah, that's the thing. Her family is, like, very country. And when you see uh, her sister and her sister's friends, they're all dressed, like, 
in yeah. clothes that you would see in the South. Like, it, it, yeah. So there are like some things. So there is that, like the church that she goes to, the fact that she talks to a pre- like Lucy Lou being in contact with a preacher is just inherently funny to me. Like, it's just. Oh, I mean, the fact that the preacher is actually like a pinnacle part of this movie. <laughs> like the preacher is the hinge for a massive part of this movie. Yeah, so the preacher, like, it's one of those things where, like, everybody knows that she's broken up with Bobby Cannavale, and everybody's like, we all liked him, you should have locked it down, and she was just like, I didn't try, I tried, and then um, the preacher's like, hey, you want, you know, you should go out with my nephew, and everybody, you know, that's usually, like, the joke in a lot of these movies, but then, like, the nephew actually calls, and it's Stephen Pasquale, and he's, um, he's perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm very neutral about him. Like, I don't like him in this, um, like, like, I don't like his character. He's just there, like, I don't trust him, but I also feel like the way this was written also strips Lucy Liu of so much. Like, I I hate to say it, but her character really doesn't compel me that much. And I would think that I would love uh, a rom-com about a social worker, you know, like I like getting dumped by like a guy studying frogs. Like that sounds extremely up my alley. Um, I don't, I just, I don't find her character or him very interesting. And then the way that their romance is written is not very interesting to me, but he's, yeah. I mean, Luke Maynard, he's, you know, a white, a white guy who's from a Christian family. Who but, does interior design. That's the big joke is that like, he does interior design, but he's straight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, an interesting thing about Stephen Pasquale, and I always forget this because he's always playing roles like this on television and in movies and stuff. He's actually a musical theater guy. Oh, okay. So you would think that a musical theater guy who like who also just like I looked at like who he's dated and he's dated like very real respected like musical theater actresses like he stays in his lane and his lane is musical theater but like on tv he's like in rescue me which is like a very like broy show about like firefighters in here where he's like a broy interior designer which i <laughs> it's just like a thing uh but like you would think that somebody who his whole thing is like you're singing and dancing on stage would have a bunch of rom-com charisma. And yet here we are. He doesn't have he that doesn't. much energy. I feel like no. that's one of the major issues in this movie, besides the writing, which I've obviously dogged a lot already, is the fact that the exchanges between Lucy Liu and Stephen Pasquale, which are obviously supposed to be like cute and compelling. And, you know, sometimes they're calling each other out. Sometimes they're flirting. Uh, it all blends. Don't draw me in. And I, we have watched so many <laughs> tropey romantic comedies and I've watched so many exchanges between characters that I, I can pretty much predict and still enjoyed them and still been able to say, okay, you know, there's some chemistry here or, or that was a cute line, but I'm just so bored by their interactions. I'm just so bored because I don't feel like either of them bring the kind of energy that's needed for this kind of exchange. And as we've said, Lucy Liu's an amazing actress. It's not to say anything about her acting, and he's obviously talented and has done a lot of work, but it just doesn't feel like they have the right kind of energy for this. No, they don't. Like, he has, like, 
just like very normal white guy, just like the most normal white guy that you could think of. Just the whitest white guy, just neutral, just like. Like it makes sense that he was introduced through a pastor. Like yeah, that completely yeah. tracks. Like being a pastor's nephew who like, you know, has some wine and like can be snarky, but really doesn't have anything to hide. Like that makes sense. You know, he's best friends with a guy who's like rich and kind of an asshole. Yep. <laughs> that all makes sense. Um, so, I mean, basically they meet and at first they don't get along uh, because, you know, you got to start the stakes there. You got to have an arc. And then um, and then like they go on a few dates after. So their first date's a, a whole wreck. Like he's late and he's antagonizing her and then she's antagonizing him and then she walks out and then he's like calling her, leaving her messages, trying to get her to go out with him again. And eventually they go out on a few more dates. And even these dates, like, I don't really ever feel like they hit it off. I mean, I know that they are flirting, but it's just kind of like weird. It's a weird energy. And then, and then he like, <laughs> asks her to marry him at the end of like their third date he's like what if we just got married <laughs> okay so there's I, I've been trying to pinpoint the big problem with their dynamic and the big problem is is that he is playing the kind of guy who's just like the kind of like, kind of like the worst rom-com character. Cause it's just like, I am here to, he's both like trying to bring her to earth, but also trying to marry her really early. It's very weird because like every interaction that they have is like him just like being like, like, can you, can you chill? Like, can yeah, you, can yeah you that's so true. He's like, he's trying <laughs> to get her to chill, but then he's also the one who's throwing out the idea of them getting married. She's not like, Oh my gosh, I want to get married to you. She's like, what are you talking about, dude? We don't even know each other. And he's like, just think about it. It never, the weird thing is that's the name of this is marry me. And this is this big driving plot is that he asks her to marry him she doesn't really answer and then it just hangs in the air and he keeps asking her and she's like talking to her coworkers and stuff but it, it doesn't make sense he never actually clarifies he never sells it you know like he's never like these are the five reasons we should just get married <laughs> he's just like yeah. let's get married and it just doesn't make sense and there is a there's ways to make it make sense but his character it doesn't make sense with it just feels so out of nowhere and then he at the same time he is doing the very classic male rom-com kind of misogynist thing where it's like oh calm down basically like don't have feelings or thoughts that make me uncomfortable please yeah he it, it's weird he's just like you just need to calm down and marry me. Like, I've got it. I know exactly. Like, Why don't how you just calm down and do this completely irrational just, thing? Just chill out and what? marry me. And it's just, it's also weird because, like, he's supposed to bring her down to earth. But he's an interior designer and she's a social worker. Yeah, I know. That's what? the funny <laughs> He's like, let me ground you. Like, she's... Like, if any job will ground you to Earth and, you know, the sadness of Earth and the the structures of Earth, it's social work. Like, the fact that he's, like, and he lives in this massive 
place. Like he is obviously doing well. Like he has like a grand piano. You know, he has those giant windows where you can see the whole city. He's living Lux and he's like, I need to teach you how to be grounded. <laughs> what? <laughs> His apartment has double doors. Like every single time you look at those double doors and we're just like, does he live in a palace? Like those doors are enormous. That's that's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air doors. Like it's fucking insane. Like does he like he looks like does he live next door to Tyler Perry? Like what the fuck? Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. So like he asked her to marry him and then Lucy Lou's like, what? And then she's just like talking to her coworkers about it. She's like, he asked me to marry him. And they're like, okay, this is weird. You should just cut this guy off. Like you just, you just broke up with frog guy. <laughs> like, like every, nobody thinks it's a good idea. Even her parents are like, what? Like when she first kind of mentions how fast things are moving, they're like, huh? And, um, it's just there. Like that's the weird thing about the pacing of this is because it's like two hour and a half episodes. It's like hanging in the air and it's like, she's like, Oh no. Yes. No. Yes. And basically at the end of the first episode, her ex frog guy. So, so at one point she runs into frog guy and he's with a young woman and she assumes that he's with this woman who like he's seeing or something. It ends up being his woman. Yeah. And, and like her friend is super swerfy. She's like, because I guess this woman is a stripper. And so her friends like saying really ignorant things, uh, Lucy Lou's friend. Anyways, they run into frog guy and it's revealed that he never went to hang out with frogs because, Lucy Lou mentions something to the woman that he's with and the woman's like, what? Like, you didn't tell me anything about frogs. So Lucy leaves that exchange thinking, okay, so he lied to me and he's been cheating with on me or like he already had his eyes set on someone new when we broke up. Uh, but at the end of the first episode, he ends up, you know, coming to her and confessing the fact that the frog, the frog grant was canceled because I guess... Um, frog populations were like getting flooded out. I was like, wow, okay, hello, climate change. <laughs> um, but, wow. Like, this movie is so weird how it'll be like, you know, child abuse and foster care, climate change. Anyways, back to the rest of the movie. Um, and, and he's like, you know, and, and that woman that you saw, that's my niece. Um, and she's like, the niece that's on the fridge. And then they make some like fucked up jokes about how the fact the fact that she's a stripper now. Um, anyways, he confesses that he, he loves her and he messed up and he wants to be with her. So the first episode ends with that. So it's like, who will she pick the guy? She barely knows who wants to marry her or the frog guy who she doesn't really seem to know that she wants to marry. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I know. And I think the first episode, which is an hour and a half could have been, I, I agree with you. I think there was like, 30 minutes of pat padding in the first one. And then I would argue in the second episode, there's really only 40 minutes of content. So if you cut off all the fat, this could be like a two hour thing or an hour and a half thing even. Yeah. Yeah. There's like <laughs> the second episode drags it on. It drags so long. It, it drags so long because then we have Harry who's like, um, Stephen Pesquale's like rich friend. Well, Luke's, Enrique we have Enrique and he 
he's just, you know, that normal, just kind of, I'm, I, I have wealth. He just like, he just like drips wealth. And he's just like, you know, he's like, he doesn't live anywhere. He just travels and blah, 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 blah. And he, you know, sets his sights on Lucy Lou, but he's also trying to be a good friend. But also he's kind of like negging her a bit because that's like what everybody's doing. Um, and yeah, and they end up, she just ends up getting on his private plane and like going to Europe with him. And it's so wild because this is not, this does not make, okay. (laughs) The thing about it is, is that this could really only work if a, she was like super, super into the fairy tale or B, she was like so down to earth that she couldn't even consider the fairy tale. Neither one of these things are true. So she, it just seems like a very responsible level-headed person just getting on a private plane with a guy that she barely knows. Well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's this thing. So Harry, and he's the, you know, he's the rich friend of Stephen Pasquale. He, um, he confesses to her randomly that he also loves her. And then he kind of like tries to take it back. And she like never really addresses that. But basically he finds out that her ex frog guy has been hitting her up and he promises he won't tell Stephen Pasquale. So he has this information on her. So they have this weird bond from this passing exchange where he, you know, found out that she's talking to her ex and, you know, she hasn't made a decision about which man she'll go with. So he uses that as an opportunity to invite her to travel with him. He's like, well, I have a lot of money. Why don't we go clear your head at my castle? Which, what? Like you said, Jordan, makes no sense. He's just uh, got a castle. And the thing is, is that they have a great time. And when they, like, when I realized that they're having a great time, I realized that, like, these two, this is, like, the only pairing that makes even a little bit of sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they they hang out and it's this whole thing where the the premise of them hanging out, he kind of poses it as he's just being a friend. He's letting her come clear her head and she can think about whether she wants to be with his friend or with her ex. Um, And he's showing off how rich he is. But then at the end of it, like and like they're literally hanging out in, in castles and grand hallways and everything. And meanwhile, people back home are trying to figure out where she is. Um he reveals that he does actually have feelings for her and he wanted to see if she wanted his lifestyle. So there's three men vying for her and I don't feel that she has chemistry with any of them, but of them, as far as a partnership, I wouldn't say chemistry per per se, uh, rich guy makes the most sense because they just kind of hang out and it seems easy. (laughs) Yeah, there's not like a whole lot of effort. He's not like complete and also just like he's surprisingly more down to earth than the other two in the sense where he's just like he's just rich and he just says dumb shit that like rich people would say but he just doesn't he's also just not he's just pretty chill i don't know it's weird <laughs> he yeah just seems, i mean yeah at one point he asked him she's like do you have a job and he's like my job is being rich and that is such a douchey thing to say, but it actually made me like him more because he doesn't pretend to be anything else. He's just like, yeah, I'm a rich guy. That's why I'm so chill. <laughs> like, he's just like, it's very relaxing, not worrying about anything. I um, mean, and like, true. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't relate, but yeah. Nope. <laughs> uh, so 
it just I don't know it just becomes this whole like thing where like Stephen Pasquale has to come and if, if Vanessa Morano is with him and it's just like a whole like no like we need to be together and like of course Harry does the gentlemanly thing and it's just like you know I will get out of the way because, you know, he's just like, I, that's what I mean by like, he's chill. Like, he's just like, like, I'm not going to fight. Like, I'm not going to like up until the last second, Bobby Cannavale is do is fighting up until the last second. Steven Pasquale is fighting, but this guy's just like, I really care about you, but I'm also just not going to do this weird thing that everybody else is doing. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to propose to you. You already have a few on the table. He does propose to her, but it almost feels like he's just saying it because everyone else is saying yeah, it. Yeah, like it doesn't, it feels like he's saying like, it's there, but I'm not going to ask you again like these guys. Like, I'm not going to follow up on it. This is the email. There's no follow up email. Yeah, it's just like, yes or no. Like, are you coming or not? <laughs> exactly. And I appreciate that. I re- Because he's so decisive, he's comes off way hotter <laughs> than oh, yeah. the other two. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a whole thing. But of course, you know, she ends up um, with Stephen Pasquale and they like they get married like a year after they get engaged, which I guess. But they got engaged like, I don't know. I feel like they were trying to make a joke at the end about how like she was with Bobby Cannavale for two years and he was supposed to get engaged. And technically, I think at the end of the timeline, she has been doing whatever she's doing with Stephen Pasquale for two years or or maybe it's one. I I, tr- I truly don't know. I think it's been two years by the end of it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so too. Because um, I, I measure everything by Vanessa Morano's age, and I'm pretty sure she was 16 at the beginning, but she's definitely 18 by the end. Yeah, because by the end they're just like she's going to college. Also, like a, a th- another thing that I hate about this movie, uh, like we're like we're basically done. We basically recapped everything, but there's one more thing. One more thing, and that is. At one point during the movie, the best friend character says, you know, I'll take whichever guy you you don't choose. And then at the end, it's teased that, like, she's going to be in a love triangle with Bobby Cannavale and, and Rich Guy. And it's like, okay, so they <laughs> they just found the next, like, she's standing between them and they're both looking at her. And I'm just like, What? Yeah, it's weird. It's so it's- weird. Like the ending feels so it's strange because for a series that has so much padding, it draws out interactions. There's whole scenes that could easily be cut and you would lose nothing because it's just repeating information. The ending still feels rushed almost and like they're trying to tie everything up. And I think it's because it's so genre like this is so rom-com capital rom-com and like even though it was made in 2010 which a lot has changed since 2010 culturally it feels very dated for 2010 um in the ways that it talks about marriage and her love life and everything um yeah yeah but yeah the ending is is a mess but you also like can predict it you're like yeah of course they're gonna end up together because we don't know anything about Frog Guy, so we know he's not going to win. And we know that Harry was just, like, giving us these luxurious shots of castles. 
Yeah, he was just like, yeah, he was just basically candy. It's just like, here's here's some nice stuff to look at. Yeah, you know what's wild, though, is that, like, we have two episodes, and you couldn't just have, like, the introduction of the friend maybe coming in the mix earlier. Like, it would have given her something to do. Like, it's not like, like, it's not necessarily that all of these guys would just be, like, trying to fuck both of them at the same time. But you could see, like, a little spark, like, I, between... I kept waiting for yeah. that to happen. Especially because at the beginning of the movie, when we get more time with her, the friend is very outspoken about the fact that, like, she's dating, she's out here, she's having sex, she's hooking up, she's down... And, you know, she's having fun. Sometimes she's a little exhausted. It would have been fun to have her in the mix. And, yeah, not in that sense of we need to pair everyone up, but just because she was a fun character. And I think that it would have given us a chance to get to know her better and even up the stakes emotionally. Yeah. Because as is, Lucy Liu is stretched thin. It is, yeah. And at some point, like, somebody's like, you know, Bobby Cannavale is like, you know, I I think I understand why everyone wants you. And I'm just sitting here just like, well, I don't. Um, I, yeah, and I, it's like, yeah, like, I love Lucy Liu, but I don't understand why everyone wants her character. It, like, you're in a city with a lot of people. But that, to me, also felt like these men were just really into the competition. Like, to them, it became this game of, like, who, who I want to win. I want to be the one she picks. And it was way more about her saying, yes, she'll marry them, than, like, the relationship itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. So, yeah, this is, whew, like, you know, we had to rent this to watch it. And so I definitely would not suggest. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no. The Nobody should spend three hours and money on this. Uh-uh. No, yeah. I mean, if you didn't catch this on Lifetime in 2010 when it came out, you were perfectly fine like you will be fine and unfortunately i can't really think of another lucy lou rom-com to suggest or really with anyone involved here anything i think everyone should watch switched at birth (laughs) yeah 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 switched at birth you know i actually do think it's good (laughs) it's not just like the depression in me that watched it um yeah, watch if you want to, or, or just watch stuff that, watch the Gilmore Girls episodes with Vanessa Morano. Yeah, Vanessa Morano, like, very cool. And also a good thing about, like, Switch to Birth, you know, it has, like, a, like deaf actors in it. Yeah. And I, I always thought that that was really cool. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, love, love to see disabled actors out there. Really appreciate seeing that. So... Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, watch that. Yeah, like, watch the uh, birth and like get a crush on. Um, I'm looking up this actor's name. Get a crush on. Uh, well, honestly, I had a crush on Sean Birdie. Yeah, get a crush on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get yourself a crush. Yeah. So this has this has been bad romance. Our theme song is done by Clutch Douglas. Uh, You can listen to us wherever you find your podcast. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. We love that. Tell your friends about the podcast. Follow the podcast on Spotify. Consider the Patreon, patreon.com slash badromancepod, especially because, like, 
we might be announcing another side podcast uh, soon, you know, just trying to figure out like the ins and outs of it, but it, but it's probably happening. And, um, you know, and we just appreciate the support. We love you and we hope that you're being nice to yourself. Yeah. Be good to yourself. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. Bye. Bye.